0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of AAP Practice Life, the AAP podcast that we talk about life as an equine veterinarian. Tonight's subject is very interesting. We decided to talk with some newer vets who have opened their own practice. So soon after an internship or graduating from university, they open their own practice. So I thought we'd have a discussion and they can share their experiences as practice owners. So. We're on the East Coast today, so I'm going to start uh, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina with Dr. Karen uh, Bolton. Welcome Karen. Hi. And let's move on up to uh, Dr. Lisa Kivett at Foundation Equine in Southern Pines, North Carolina. Hey. And then finally, we have Dr. Matt Kornatowski at Twin Pines Equine in Connecticut. Welcome Matt. Hello. So Matt, while um, we're well, we'll just going in reverse order, tell us a little bit about your practice and a bit of your background and how long you've been in practice and how long after uh, I think you did an internship that you started practice.
1: That's correct. I went to Cornell. I graduated in 2008, uh, went to uh, an internship which uh, that was around the time of economic collapse which I'm sure all of us will be discussing at length in this broadcast. I met my wife during my internship, and when we came out, we started our practice up here in Connecticut. Um, There was a year in between of trying to get a job. Uh, We opened in 2011, and we're going five years strong at this point.
0: Congratulations. And Lisa, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself?
2: I'm a 2007 graduate of North Carolina State University. Did a rotating medicine and surgery internship at Louisiana State University and moved on to a residency at Auburn. I got boarded in equine internal medicine and then went out into general practice um, with a private practice, just doing GP um, before moving out of that work environment and starting my own practice in 2013.
0: So you've been out in your own practice for about three years now. Yep. And finally, Karen wants you tell us a little bit about your background.
3: Um, I graduated from Ohio State in 2009 and I did an internship at Missouri, um, finished there in 2010, also at the time of the economic collapse. So Matt, I'm there with you. <laughs> um, that was a very, very hard time to go out and try to find a job. I ended up down here in Myrtle Beach uh, working for another veterinarian who had recently bought uh, this practice. It was more or less a new practice though um, and I was the solo vet down here uh, running it. I bought it two years later so I've been here for about six years um, and I've owned the clinic for four years.
0: Excellent so you know you're all about the same vintage of graduation and pretty similar in terms of how long you've owned the practice so so let's start with you Karen. Uh, Why did you start your own practice? What led you to say I want to be a practice owner rather than you know, like most people do, you know, spend years working for another practice and and buy into that practice. You you all three of you took the big leaps and just said, "I'm going out on my own." So <laughs> let's start with you, Karen. Why?
3: Yeah, well, I will say I absolutely fell into it. I never never had the goal in life of owning a practice, but obviously you never know where where life's gonna take you. Um, so working for the vet that I was working for. He So he had his main clinic up in Southern Pines in North Carolina, and I was a satellite clinic. And like I said, I was completely on my own. So I kind of built the practice from from square one, and I really felt like it was my own uh, at the, the point at which I asked uh, if he was willing to sell it to me. And I kind of just wanted the freedom to to do what I wanted with the clinic, um, kind, of, kind of build it into my own baby and buy equipment. But I want it updated as needed for uh, how practices um, really need to be be running at this point in time. Um, but I really just wanted, the, I think, more or less the freedom to, to turn it into what I wanted it to be and what I knew it could be.
0: And what about yourself, Lisa?
2: Sure. So um, when I was working in private practice, I think the best way I can summarize it is it was just a um, – toxic work environment, just bad practice culture. Um, I could go on and on, but I wasn't happy. And originally, I wanted to own a practice. I left my residency and started working for um, the practice here in town. Karen and I actually worked for the same practice. (laughs) I I wanted to own, uh, but he did not necessarily... He said he wanted to sell, but he didn't, I guess, necessarily really want to sell. And ultimately... It wasn't the right environment for me anyway. So I had um, a situation in which my contract did permit me to leave that practice and start my own. So I just made a big leap of faith and jumped out on my own and never looked back.
0: So, unlike Karen, you've, it sounds like you had a bit of a, a, an entrepreneurial bent before you decided to open a practice. That sounds like you wanted to, you know, that was in your plans all along.
2: It was, yeah.
0: Yeah, so. And how about you, Matt? You and Ashley, uh, why did you start your own practice?
1: Well, uh, kind of a combination of, the, of Lisa and Karen there. We, you know, we got out of our internship and we, first off, there were no jobs. We had a really difficult time finding jobs, especially for two of us wanting to do the same thing uh, in the same place, obviously. We ended up taking two jobs that were um, not up to par for us, we'll say. Um, regarding uh, quality of life and quality of medicine. So, you know, as Karen said, we we wanted to do it better and do it our own way. So we decided that this was the only way to do it.
0: You know, it's amazing listening to you here, you know, the three of you speak, because my wife and I started our own practice too, you know, 2002. And, all the three things that you have said is sort of, it's resonating with me because it's very similar to, to the reasons why we start our own practice too. So I, and I have extra sympathy or empathy, rather for Matt and Ashley, just, you know, starting practice with your stu- your spouse. So we'll, we'll get to that later on. So, or, or maybe you'll answer that. You know, the next question is, so Matt, what have been the challenges you face having your home practice so far?
1: First off is you know, trying to, um, I'll touch base on the, uh, the spouse thing in a moment, um, but first off was trying to, to build the practice, you know, just trying to draw people away from, from other practices and teach them that there's, you know, there are new thoughts and new ideas out there and, and different ways to do things. Um, secondly, being married to the other veterinarian in the practice made it very difficult as far as you know, our first year we had one truck uh, between the two of us, so uh, we spent a lot of time traveling together, and it was 24/7. You know, go to work, drive around in the truck together, work at work at calls, and uh, you know, one would take the role of the vet, one would take the role of the assistant, and you know, that was a big challenge. That put a real strain on our relationship for that for that first year.
0: Yeah, my wife and I would do that. We we would call it date nights. We would go on calls together emergencies. And, and then we'd flip a coin to see who would be who would be the primary and who would be the tech. How about yourself, Lisa? What have been the challenges the big the main challenges that you have faced?
2: Sure. Um, I think that uh, learning business management had to be the biggest struggle for me. I really had no clue and there was accounting and bookkeeping and taxes and regulatory agencies and fees and, you know, I was lucky enough to be pretty successful right out of the gate and there just wasn't time to deal with any of that stuff. So I think I spent, um, you know, the whole third year of practice trying to fix everything that I messed up in the first two. (laughs)
0: Um,
2: And in addition to that, you know, just being a solo practitioner and, it's really hard for me to ask other practices in the area to cover for me. So I don't take a lot of vacation, and I almost never leave the county. Um, and I actually, you know, I, I had my first child this year, and I looked forward to going to the hospital to give birth because I knew I was <laughs> going to get a couple of days off. <laughs> so it's been a challenge.
0: <laughs> so some of us have mentioned life-work balance, and, and it doesn't seem like it happens when you open, own your own practice for sure.
2: No, no, it doesn't.
0: So... And how has that been going so far as, you know, being a new mom, and I believe you, you became a mom in the spring now, so not that long ago. So How is that working out?
2: Yeah, the baby is 12 weeks old. Um, I went back to work after two weeks. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have a stay-at-home husband, so that works really well. I've also gotten a little bit better about working smarter, not harder, and I've started trying to work four days a week and make intelligent travel patterns and get my work done in the truck while my tech drives and that way i can take one day off a week um to just be with my son so
0: yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying yeah no it sounds like um you're, you're making it work though
3: yeah.
0: and how about you karen how are the what are the challenges that you face with your practice
3: well i actually just had surgery on my wrist and i also looked forward to my day of anesthesia and off time what <laughs> so i understand nice. So I I would say in general, um, so I think burnout's the biggest one for me. Uh, There's been periods of time where I've been the only vet in my entire area. There was about a two-year period where um, the main competitor, he actually, unfortunately, he passed away. So I was literally the only vet in the area on on call 24-7, and that really, really took a toll. Right now, I have another vet who who works for me, um, so that helps out quite a bit with with on call and gives me a little bit more of a break. But start to finish, since I've I've been here, burnout is mine has always been my number one problem. Of course, finances, I'm sure for all of us, uh, are one of the bigger problems too. Um, I really I really dislike how seasonal our business is. You know, we get really burned out in the spring, although there's plenty of income, and then in the, in the winter it really tends to slow down. Um, I'm sure for most of us, but. Probably the other main area where I've run into a few problems is, is uh, our employees, um, especially the part-time ones. I think they just don't have as much commitment to the the, the job. Um, I think they don't take it as seriously as a full-time employee, but especially because how seasonal we are, we need part-time employees when we're busy, and we may not need them during the slower times of year. So. But I've been very lucky, though I do. I have a full-time uh, practice manager that I know Lisa would like to steal from me. I'm, um, I'm going I'm trying. I'm really trying. <laughs> um, but if it wasn't for her, I, I would I would be um, in, a, in a, a world of hurt for my with my business. So I've really lucked out with her. But um yeah, and she does a lot we of the, the tax stuff. And yeah, we we're, we're working on that.
1: <laughs> um, I, I just I want to expound on that for a second, Mike. Um, having both of the, Karen and, well, uh, Lisa is still a solo practitioner. Karen was able to hire somebody. You know, starting from scratch with two vets was a huge challenge just because, you know, to try and match the income of what two veterinarians should be making has made it d- harder for us to um, hire, hire staff. You know, we, um, we don't live an extravagant lifestyle, but, you know, that... It doesn't mean we don't have our our perks as you know, um, spending on things once in a while and and want to be making a good salary, but in order to hire people, we have to actually take a cut back on our own salaries a little bit. So that's that's put things on hold. So that's a bit of a challenge as well.
0: And and, and talking about the you know the work life balance or just having some balance whatsoever. How how are you finding it? I mean, you know, with your your partner is, is, is your is, is your spouse. So it's not like you can get away from work with each other. Uh, we do. Are you planning any planning any hospital trips? Uh, I mean, we just we just got back from <laughs> we
1: just got back from a one week vacation where you know we we went camping and left the practice alone. Uh, we actually have a decent support network of veterinarians in the area who cover on call for us, um, and you know we we do the social media thing and make announcements two months in advance. Just start telling people at appointments things like that, saying we're going to be gone. So find something else you know we'll, we'll set up emergency numbers for you um, but the first few years was impossible and then we started saying we have to uh, and I think that that's really important is that at some point you have to draw a line and say
0: we have to and that's what we did. Well you bring up an interesting point I know I've known you for a while and uh the 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 fact that you you have a support network of other vets because you would think that as a new vet in an area that you know the established vets would sort of keep you at an arm's length and not really want to take your on call and what have you so what have you done to uh break down those barriers and and develop that sort of collegial atmosphere in your neck of the woods well, when we first got here, we sent out a letter introducing ourselves
1: to all the veterinarians uh, in the area. We got some responses um and some were very excited, um, some were not as excited. Uh, and um, you know, we just made it a point that if we went out and saw emergencies for other vets, we would contact them, forward them the, the notes and information, and say, "Here's everything from our end. You can continue it if you want, or we can continue it." Um, communication's the biggest thing, just staying in touch with them and, and you know making it known that while there's lateral movement of clients, we're not stealing clients. We're just here for the greater good of everybody. And, um, you know, I think if everybody views it that way in the area, then, then it helps everybody out.
0: So you've really purposely have taken the high road. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Uh, how about you, Karen or Elise, any thoughts in terms of getting other vets to work with you to share on call?
2: Yeah. I'd love to kind of expound on that a little bit. Um, I, really was very lucky when I struck out on my own. Um, You know, we, there's a couple of practitioners in the area that we all have very good relationships, or at least I think we do with each other, but there's a, an established practice in the area, probably the most established um, two doctor clinic in our area. And they really set a great example from the beginning. You know, when I struck out on my own and I'm, you know, young and hungry and, just sure that I'm going to starve and I'm kind of eyeing everything. Like, well, you know, should I try to poach clients here and there? They set a great example and they sort of um, were very open with me and have always treated me with a lot of respect and, you know, just set a great example. and, And I've tried to sort of follow their lead. And it's made a big difference, I think, in the way that I practice and the way that I view clients. And if I see Their clients on emergency and vice versa. um, I I really just shout out to them for uh, really setting a good example. And and I'd like to think that, you know, in 20 years when I'm the established practice, that that's how I'll handle new practitioners in the area. And I think as veterinarians, if we all continue to um, uphold that kind of deal with each other, we'll all be in a really good position.
0: And that's also good, too, because I guess the clients in your area have been trained to you know, respect that vet-client relationship, and they're not going to be pitting vets against each other if the established vets have sort of maintained that high standard.
2: Yeah, and, and we all speak very highly of each
3: other,
0: um, yeah, and I think that excellent. helps. Yeah. How about you, Karen? Any thoughts on that? Or, or are you just the only game in town, so <laughs> you wish you had that opportunity?
3: Um, it's... It's been, I think, a little bit different because uh, when I first came here, um, like I said, my one, uh, my main competitor, when I first came here, he did pass away, and that was very soon after I came here. So I was used to be on, being on call 24-7 for, I don't know, years. <laughs> um, um, so I kind of got used to that, which is not at all a health, healthy lifestyle, um, and it really has taken its toll on me, and uh, especially during a few, uh, during the busy seasons especially, I guess, but... It's, it, I think it's a hard thing. And I'll, I'll, I'll be honest in saying, when I was building my, my business initially, I felt like I needed every last drop of, of business. Um, and I felt like if I um, shared on call with anyone else, I would be losing clients. Now I'm to the point where, you know, I'm just kind of inundated with, with work, uh, too much work <laughs> at, at some points. And it, I could probably be in a situation now where we, we, we could potentially share on call more. Now that I have another vet on with me um, that's it's really been an okay balance at least with our, our on- call within our own practice like the 50/50 on-call uh, situation. Um, I can work with that and that's been a lot better for my my health. The 100% that's that's hard to maintain for more than a couple of years.
0: Oh absolutely. You know kudos to you last you know doing it for so long it is tough And well, just taking a little bit of a side right here, just want to announce that I hope you're enjoying this AP Practice Life uh, podcast, and just let you know that the AP has recently pu- published their External Parasite and Vector Control Guidelines for Tick, Flies, Lice, Mosquitoes, and Mites. So you can find that on their website. Uh, there's no login access. It's in the Guidelines section on the AAP website. So um, if we go back to, you know, w- w- that famous question is, what would you like to have known now that you, or then that you know now? So let's start with you, Matt. I mean, if you had a, when you were starting out five years ago, what what do you wish you knew then? Oh, so many things. <laughs> um, yeah, we got a lot of <laughs> time, so carry my, on. My answer,
3: too.
1: <laughs> uh, I. One thing that came to mind with this question was how hard it was going to be in the first six months. Um, you know, we we had these big dreams and visions of you know hanging up the shingle and phone was going to start ringing and everything was just going to fall into place. And well, we hung up our shingle and the phone didn't ring. <laughs> you know, not for a little while anyway. Uh, so I I think I would have liked to have been a little better prepared for that first six months than than we were.
0: Well, how did you get your first clients? I mean, how did you get that phone to ring for the first time? Well, we opened up in the fall. Um, and uh, a lot of people said
1: said to us, why are you opening up in the fall? And I said, well, because we want to get all of our advertising done so that when spring hits, we're ready to go. Um, and so it was a lot of um, initially paper advertisements, social media, we did a lot of social media blitzes, um, and uh, driving around to farms and just handing out business cards and introducing ourselves. Uh, you know, we had nothing else to do, so why not burn some gas and go say hi to people? Um, so those were the big things. And, you know, while we, were, we watched the money trickle down a little bit, I, just, I remember sitting there on March 1st and all of a sudden the phone started ringing and it hasn't
0: stopped, so. Well done. How about yourself, Lisa?
2: Uh, I think the number one thing that I wish I had known was that uh, you need to get an accountant and a bookkeeper because you cannot do that yourself. Um, I, I think in the beginning, I was just trying to save money, and so I thought that I could you know, potentially try to do this myself, and then all of a sudden, I'm busy, and it's a year in, and I have no bookkeeping, um, and I don't know how much money I've made, and... It was a mess. I've spent um, entirely too long trying to undo all of that.
0: So you would be better prepared and have that kind of financial support network for you?
2: Oh, I would just, I would hire, I would have hired a bookkeeper. I have a bookkeeper and an accountant now and they just do all of that stuff. It's not where I should be focusing my attention. I should be looking at their reports, but not typing in numbers. Sure. Um, And I really wish I hadn't tried to do that. The other thing I wish I had known is just how, um, fleeting clients can be. They come, they go, it's inexplicable. There's no reason to worry about it. They're, they're gone for no reason. They're back for no reason. It just isn't worth fretting about. Um, that's a really good point. (laughs) Uh, that's been one of the, the most stressful things for me is watching the clients go and then come back and, but it just, it happens and it's happened enough now I'm over it.
0: Yeah. You think you're doing such a great job, and you're such an honest, ethical vet that they should just be with you forever, and they're like, yeah, what happened? they just
3: disappear
2: for
1: no yeah. reason. Yeah. Um, you
0: find yourself saying, what did I do wrong a
1: lot, and you really weren't the problem at all.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. I we mean, have the same and, problem today, and, actually, with a client. <laughs> oh, man. And you'll never know. You'll just, you'll never know yeah. what happened. <laughs> the other thing I wish I had known is um, don't give discounts to your friends, because that only goes poorly. <laughs>
0: So a question I have for you, because your experience is similar to mine. When we were starting our practice, I was doing all the bookkeeping at nights. And I remember meeting a classmate a couple of years after uh, we started the practice. And he was asking me, you know, oh, it's exciting to you have your own practice. And, you know, what do you think? And what, you, what have you missed? And what, what's been great about it? And I said, honestly, I said I spend so much time trying to run the business that I'm not spending enough time being learning to be a vet, especially in your first few years, you really want to spend as much time being a vet. So do either of you, have any of you found that problem or is that just my issue?
2: I certainly, I I find now, now sort of the clouds have parted um, in year three and I've hit a stride and, you know, I have certain tasks delegated out, everything flows and I have time again to read a journal article and find out all the things that I missed in the last three years and I miss keeping current I've I've missed becoming a better veterinarian I really I ignored that for too long
3: yeah I, I really lucked out with my my practice manager um, she actually did, did uh, went to college for equine business management and she just she was like born born for this role luckily Um if if it wasn't for her, I mean, I I don't think my business would be anywhere near it was. And she took a lot of the a lot of the stuff that Lisa was dealing with when she first started hers. Um, my, my practice manager's name's Neg- Megan, but Megan dealt with um, a lot of that stuff, like paying the bills, keeping in contact with the accountant, um, um, just all the bills. <laughs> the bills just never end. Um, the taxes. Um, and luckily, she was able to take care of a lot of that, and I was kind of able to sit back and, and just be the vet um, initially, which was um, was definitely nice.
0: So to get to you to answer the question, I mean, is there anything that you wish you knew then that you know now? So you started your practice four years ago.
3: Actually, I also had written down here so many things. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, I think one of the biggest things is just how expensive it is to run a a veterinary practice and even mines just ambulatory I don't even have a hospital uh, overhead um, taking all that money away from what we're making but um, it's just never ending the list of things where your money goes to the taxes kill you I mean that's 30 percent of our income you have liability insurance DEA goes up every single time you you need to re-register that um, health insurance you have your state licenses your, your state controlled substance licenses um, benefit I mean it just never ends and I think if I would have I guess, known what I know, know now, I would have started out my pricing um, higher. <laughs> to be, to put it simply. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, and it's just, I mean, we can't we can't survive long term um, if we underprice our services. And I think now I appreciate just how expensive it is to run it. Um, I think the other thing is too. I think. Emergency fees, especially, is is where I've started increasing my prices too. I didn't. I think I also didn't respect my own time initially, and you know you feel bad for clients. So you don't want them to pay pay a lot of money, but then again, the the on call is literally killing you, um, especially during the busy seasons. Um, so um, I think that's one area where recently I've decided to go a little bit higher, and it's it's making it a lot more worthwhile um, when when you're really running yourself ragged. Um, I think a, a, a dumb kind of dumb thing that I really kind of regret uh, in terms of uh, when I very very first started this was maybe possibly the name of my business um, because my my business name is specifically Myrtle Beach Equine Clinic but we're starting to do a lot of non-equine things like goats and we do some crazy zoo animals and <laughs> um, so it's very specific but most of our clients are still horses so a little I wish maybe I would have tweaked that a little bit and then my website address kills me too um, my website is myrtlebeachequineclinic.com which is a mouthful and unfortunately all of our email addresses are attached to that too so i really really wish i would have gone shorter that's one of my biggest regrets
0: actually that gives you good seo that's you know that's actually an advantage because you have great seo for search
3: oh but our our uh, email addresses are so long <laughs> and we we have to give them to people so many times but and I think the, the the other thing that I kind of regret a little bit is when I bought my equipment, I bought everything new and I bought top of the line, um, which makes for good diagnostics. But I think I would have bought just uh, I w- would have bought used used equipment or refurbished. That it's just amazing how much money goes towards those every month, and they rarely pay for themselves on a monthly basis uh, with the type of practice I have. So I'm glad that I have them. I'm glad that I have the technology that I have, but um, it really sucks a lot of money out of our accounts. Yep. Those are the main things. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Those monthly payments. Yeah. So, so to flip that around, I mean, would you do it again? I mean, if you're in the opportunity, I mean, would either all three of you, would, would you have gone on your own again if you had to do it all over again?
3: I think I would. I mean, I, I've learned so much. I mean, just when I first started out, um, I knew nothing about any of this. I mean, like, like Lisa said, just learning how to run a business. Um, I mean, I have learned so much from this experience. And even if I move on from some point, I mean, I can take everything I've learned and apply it to life going forward. So I think I would.
0: Good. How about you, Lisa?
3: Absolutely. I, I pretty much have no regrets.
2: Uh, maybe one day a week I fantasize about what it would be like to just work at the tax shop. <laughs> but the other the other six out of seven, I I'm pretty happy and yeah, I'd 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 do it again in yeah. a heartbeat.
0: And how about you, Matt?
1: Being your own boss is great. <laughs> you know, you get you get to make the rules and set your own hours and and everything. So it it'd be hard to go back to being uh being an associate
0: somewhere and um yes. you know, under somebody <laughs> else's rule. Yeah. So, but to that, I mean, you know, um, our practice has grown from my wife and I too. we have a number of associates. And the one thing I like, and I'll I'll ask you, this is sort of a random question is, do you miss the collaboration or the collegiality of working with a group of vets on cases or to get input or what have you? What do you you say to that, Matt? Very much so. Um, You know, I miss being able to, you know, sit
1: down and talk about, you know, have rounds and go over cases or, you know, just go over a journal article or things like that. I do miss that. Um, but to that extent, I mean, the AAAP is such a great resource. Uh, you know, if I need help on a case, I've got so many people that I can just send an email to or call up on the phone and say, hey, Lisa, can you take a look at this for me? Or, you know, uh, you know, it's it's really, uh, the AAP networking is really, Makes makes that collaboration not as necessary, but the the interpersonal interactions are uh, are something that is to be missed. Yeah, and how about you, Layso?
2: Yeah, I I completely agree. I I do miss the collaboration, especially you know having a background, having done an internship and residency. I got really spoiled having you know specialists around all the time, but. Um, Getting out on my own, I, I've maintained relationships with some local practitioners, um, other friends in the area, friends from my residency, people like Karen, um, and also the AAEP listserv. Um, I think it's really important, especially for those of us who are solo practitioners, to uh, stay connected with other equine vets. I think it keeps us grounded. It keeps us healthier. It keeps us um, more current, uh, we're better veterinarians and we're better people for it. And, and really the, I see Matt on the listservs, uh, sometimes I, I really, I'll put in a plug for that listserv. It really, it's a great resource and it makes me feel a lot less alone.
0: Hmm. And so I guess now, uh, Karen, now that you have an associate, you're starting to get that sort of camaraderie and and, uh, collegiality.
3: I I think the biggest thing I noticed after maybe, two or three years of being out and, and practice by myself is my vocabulary started to go because <laughs> you're just not using <laughs> the medical terms on a on a regular basis because you're, you're everything you're, you're saying is in lay terms after a while um, so yes I definitely appreciate being able to kind of discuss things at a a little bit of a higher level again um, And I I think kind of uh, what Matt kind of touched on was the collegiality, it's not that it's gone, I think it's different now. So um, I definitely keep in contact with with Lisa and and some of my other um, friends that I know from in person, but I've also formed a lot of relationships with um, other um, other specialists. Um, I'm constantly hounding NC State with questions. I think they they hate to hear my uh, my name <laughs> calling them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's it's kind of a it's a different version of collegiality, I guess now. Um, but it's very useful as well. Um, and I think we have to kind of start drilling from different resources now. Um, and I also used to be on the listserv, but I couldn't handle all the emails. I'm not an email deleter, but um, there's plenty of other online resources that I've kind of found as well. Um, so it's, it's different, but I I, I, think I I think I like this version, though, too.
1: Alex, I wanted to say one more thing about that, Mike. Sure. Is that, you know, the other part of that is your personal growth when you're on your own. Uh, mm-hmm. Because when you're surrounded by other people um, that may have, you know, I, I did my internship with a uh, repro specialist, a surgeon, an internist, um, a, a dental practitioner, uh, you know, the best of every world. But it was like, okay, well, that person does that, that person does that, that person does this. What do I do? And then when you're on your own, it's like, oh, I do all of that. So your skill set mm-hmm. really starts to develop more when you can't turf it to somebody else.
3: Oh, absolutely. point. I mean, yeah. it, it does force your, you, you to grow significantly more and find the resources. Um, we actually just brought a, on an intern recently, and I can see—I could see where I was six years ago in her, and it makes me realize how far I've come and how I've just learned to, to utilize different resources um, and, and fall back on those resources—resources resources that I do have instead of falling back on my mentors. Um, so I, I definitely agree with Matt in that it's—you have to become much more self-sufficient in things.
0: Interesting. So last question, and uh, we'll go north to south. We'll start with you, Matt. So where do you see your practice in five years?
1: Well, in five years, um, to be honest, we just bought a small little farmhouse uh, with a little plot of land on it, so we're hoping to have a small haul facility started soon. Um, not too big, but in five years, we at least hope to have the plans in place for it, you know, uh, more of a 10-year plan on that. Uh, and then we hope to have a third vet in place by then so that we can feel comfortable taking that week away and leaving the practice in good hands.
0: Excellent, and how about you, Lisa?
2: Yes, yeah, similarly, um I've just rented a farm. I've got a three-year lease uh, where I have a place to live, but also an office building and an eight-stall barn. So I've started to do a little bit of haul in. Um, like I said, it's a three-year lease. So I'd like for five years from now to be um, maybe in a situation in which I own a similar piece of land. Um, and I'd really like to be a two-doctor practice, maybe even I in a third by five years.
0: Right. And finally, Karen, how about you? Where are you going to be in five years?
3: I think most of our goals re- re- revolve around a physical location, <laughs> it sounds like. Um, so yeah. I've kind of casually been looking for property as well. Um, I, I think in, in my area, I'm worried about the ability for a clinic to to pay for itself if it's strictly large animals. So I'm kind of, I am kind of go back and forth about that, but I want to make sure the finances are there when I do it. But hopefully if, uh, a physical location and then um, maybe an additional bet at that point, too.
0: So it sounds like you're all gonna become the established vets of your area that uh, you you didn't initially uh, feel a part of and that led you to your own clinic. So uh, you're sort of completing the circle.
3: (laughs) Hopefully our our associates won't be running away from us.
0: (laughs) Oh So hey, learn good lessons and apply them. I'd like to thank all three of you. Um, This has been really interesting and I've gained some insights on this too, so really appreciate it and thanks for giving your time. Thank Thank you. you.